Hey, who made you with this, Jackie? Welcome from all of us to all of you. If you want to know how glad we are to have you with us, just you listen. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlife podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. It's uh, episode 112. It's, look, this week all anybody's talking about is Captain America Civil War. All anybody's talking about probably since they walked out of Batman versus Superman was shit. How long do we have to wait for a fucking good one? So that's what we're doing. <laughs> Not is, long. Exactly. And uh, as we have done for pretty much all the big blockbuster superhero movies, uh, we have as our guests uh, comedian uh, Benari Poulton. How we doing? <laughs> this time not on the phone from some weird hotel, possibly dealing heroin from the window. Correct. I'm not calling from a sex dungeon this time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. You promised me a tour of the fuck tomb. God damn it. Look, only you can only have so many good things in one week. Oh, all right. <laughs> yeah, Gotta after, pace yourself. There you go. And uh, also, uh, comedian Ross Garmel. How's it going, Ross? It's it's really good. I am calling from a sex dungeon. <laughs> And that's our show. I have to get in the car. Uh, um, uh, thank you guys both for joining us. Uh, you both joined us for Batman versus Superman. I'm not going to get into that right now. Uh, Stay positive. Stay positive. We're going to start on the positive. So Captain America Civil War. Uh, I think we Woo! all. Yes. I think we all knew going into it, it was going to be a much more positive, entertaining experience, if not a perfect one. Uh, I think we all knew going into it. Now, Jesus, the same guys who directed and did Captain America Winter Soldier doing Civil War. I had a little bit of trepidation because, man, that Mark Millar comic doesn't hold up. But Look, I, I, I was cautiously I, – I thought Winter Soldier is one of my favorite of the Marvel movies. I just think – and it gets better every time I see it. Um, so I was sort of – I was optimistic about this one. But because I disliked the comic book version of Civil War so much and was not really looking forward to superheroes fighting again, mm. I was like, well, I trust them. I hope it'll be good enough. I, I had no, I don't think I, I, I thought it was going to be this enjoyable. But just as, a, as an overall movie experience, I just, I, it was fantastic for me. All right. I'll throw in that when they announced a couple of years ago that this movie was going to be Civil War. I hadn't read it since it came out in issues, so I went out and bought the trade paperback just to refamiliarize myself with it, and I in no way even remotely went even anywhere near it to prepare for this show. It doesn't hold up. Yeah, it didn't it's... hold up then when I read it two years ago. There was exactly one moment in it that was great for the comic book, and I'm not sure that would hold up in the movie, but when we talk about Spider-Man in a little bit, I might bring that one up. Right. Um, all right, so... Spider-Man was in it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even have a response to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was in it. He kind of stuck out like a sore thumb, man. It's uh, the I, I firmly believe that part of the reason it was two hours, 20 minutes is Kevin Feige said, good news, we got the rights. Put him in. Give him 20 minutes somehow. Yeah, yep. yeah. They got like a 30-minute Spider-Man movie in there in addition to Captain America. Yeah, yeah sort of a short film. But uh, yeah. uh, all right, so uh, Benari, we heard from you. Ross, your general impressions. I, outstanding. I, I loved it. Okay, thanks. <laughs> That's it. What am I supposed to say? This yeah. is good. It's funny it's how actually a good movie. You know what? The first movie you invited me to, to, to see was Ant-Man, which was fine. The second movie you invited me to see was Force Awakens, which was, you know, great. Yep. Then you made me watch Batman and Superman. Oh, no, we also saw Ultra. Uh, Age you of did. Age I of wasn't Ultra. there for that. Oh, that's oh, right. Yeah, that was uh, that right. was you and uh, Tim McIntyre. Yeah. Then, then, you know, then Batman and Superman and now Civil War. So... Whatever you ask me to see next, I'm not seeing it. 
<laughs> Every other movie I watch. Well, you're like on the you're like on the Star Trek movie timeline. <laughs> Every other one is good. <laughs> All right, well, shit. It was going to be Suicide Squad. Maybe we can stick X Men in there because I'm kind of got hopes for Suicide Squad. There but... you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Have you considered the problem is you, Ross? You fucked this shit up for all of us. How you... so? <laughs> You're cursed. I don't know. No. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I don't consider that at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. So, uh, yeah, it's. I think on our uh, Amanda, you. I enjoyed it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you got me like mid sip. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've got the best timing. Look, I'm drinking the beer. I'm lucky. I know what's going on. So. It's just, it's funny how like uh, seeing a good movie makes for a very unenjoyable podcast. <laughs> it's like, oh, I just think it's great. Just in a happy mood. Things just. Look better to me. Taste better. Everything is, everything is exciting. The sun came out. It stopped raining here. It's warm weather. It's finally spring. Shit, man. But <laughs> then, so then you stop thinking about it. You're like, life is great, man. I saw a guy's mom get strangled on screen. <laughs> yeah, it's true. That's just a guy's mom. It's like a movie that involves the graphic, brutal death of Tony Stark's parents. Yeah. It was like, that was fantastic. <laughs> I love that movie. Yeah, kill him. <laughs> I, I Basically had... a movie. Oh, by the way, spoilers. But a movie. Oh. That <laughs> yeah, and we, we should announce right the... now we're going to spoil the living shit out of everything. So if you haven't seen Civil War yet, I don't know why you'd be bothering to listen to this podcast because clearly you don't pay any attention to what we do. But we're going to spoil everything. Okay, Benari, go. But a, but, but a movie that built to the big reveal of Bucky killed <laughs> Tony Stark's mom and dad by just bashing fucking Howard Stark's face in with his metal arm and then strangling Maria Stark as she like, you know, tries to crawl out of a car. And you and I'm, and I'm like, that was a great fucking movie. That's how, movie. That's how great that movie was. By the time we got to that, it was like, oh shit. Like this is, I mean, they, they justified everything. And that payoff, I got to say, I, I know I should have seen that coming because they actually set that one up. You know, right from right from the start. Yeah, yeah. You know, you see the car. He talks about the car crash, and I think that's where my. I think that's what they did a great job because, as a comic book fan, I know how, like Tony Stark's parents died in the comic books. I know, like, had nothing to do with the Winter Soldier, Captain America. So, sure. as a comic book fan, I wasn't even thinking that. Mm. And I think they definitely played on that of like, oh, they're it, we're gonna make it so obvious that it's Bucky. The comic book fans are going to be like, oh, well, of course it's not because we know how it happened in the comic books and it has nothing to do with any of but this I, shit. I didn't know that, and it, it still – like it fooled me. And they showed the exterior mm -hmm. – uh, they, they showed that there was like a security camera shot of it so you knew that it would come back. Yep. Um, and yeah, it, it completely – but because everything else that was going on was so engaging, I was along for the ride. I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't harping on it. Yeah, and I just thought that that moment – I think the, the moment I realized it was when uh, Zemo was in, you know, his his bomb shelter and he's talking <laughs> to them, and they have the, and they just have they just have the little laptop open. I was like, oh fuck, that. Uh, <laughs> like that, that, but at that point, it was it became such a great inevitability of oh, that's totally justified at this point. That's why they're gonna. That's why there's no winning this scenario. Mm -hmm. And I, I believed all the choices of the characters. It made perfect mm -hmm. sense. I thought I thought this movie had the best versions of all the characters like every even 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 the superheroes who had very little screen time i thought they had the best version of, of them for the most part that was just my takeaway i, I mean I, Ross, you obviously 
feel a little yeah. differently. Yeah, go ahead. I thought Cap was a little sanctimonious. But that's <laughs> what he does. <laughs> uh, kind of, but even that was, and, and this goes down to the strength of doing comic book style serialized storytelling, which can cut both ways. It's, you know, we've seen Captain America in World War II at his most optimistic, fighting a very clear enemy, and then into the Avengers as a man out of time, but then into Winter Soldier and Avengers Age of Ultron of, okay, I'm working with government entities that I can't necessarily trust, and this is not the type of United States government that I feel necessarily jibes with what I signed up for. Uh, so the strength of how they've built him up over a few movies, I think really played into why he would, cause it, on paper, it makes absolutely perfect sense. It's, you know. But I also think that him being sanctimonious was kind of his fatal flaw here. Yeah. Was the fact, I mean, that, that was sort of, that was kind of his own character arc was he was so say, I mean, Spider-Man says it to him, you know. Yeah. And he said, what did Tony say about me? He said, you're wrong and you think you're right and that makes you dangerous. Like that's. That's yeah, what that's that's, true. that's sort of his arc is and it, my my little quibble was the fact that he knew that Bucky had killed Tony's parents. I would have liked them to at least set up that Captain America was aware of everything Bucky had done or was aware of how bad you know the the uh Bucky's time was under uh Hydra's mind control that sort of thing because obviously he'd read all the files so they they sort of allude to the fact that he knows that but I would have liked to have known throughout the movie that Cap is doing all this with the full knowledge mm-hmm. that he, he is a brutal murderer when he was under mind control and, and is responsible for all these things. That Just that very yeah that very much came out of left field for me because yeah and I, I felt at the time and this is where it cuts both ways the serialized storytelling at, at the time I, I I said well wait a minute why is this the first time we're hearing that Tony Stark's parents in the Marvel Cinematic Universe died and were possibly murdered and it turns out i did i didn't have time uh this weekend to rewatch winter soldier for like the fourth time but uh, yeah it turns out they did sort of intimate that in the winter soldier so oh really but okay. but yeah it, again it's uh, i didn't remember it so unless you go revisit it and it's a little harder with a right. movie you know it's like oh <laughs> back in the day in the bronze age you know you read a little thing it's like oh look at issue 17 right. smile and stand you can just go get it yeah, you got to piece off two hours and twenty minutes to to go back to the other ones, and I just didn't have time to do it this time. People for this show, Rob? I thought you said you prepared for this. For, <laughs> I got five fucking pages of notes here, and for what people pay for this show, they'll get what I fucking give them. But but it's also Ross to go back to your point. Captain America really should be almost black and white. You know, a, a world of gray that is not just this is right and this is wrong doesn't really fit with a Captain America. You know, a Captain America, certainly the Steve Rogers Captain America. But see, I think that's part of the problem is I feel like he was the one. So maybe Sanctimonious is wrong there because in, in the way, he, you know, he, he was the one who was kind of equivocating at the end there. But no, okay. I felt like in that last fight, you know, the only, and this was one of the only moments that I didn't really feel like you know, the characters were dead on and, and everything was earned. I I felt like, Cap really should have been giving Tony a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt or a little bit more understanding of like why he was so fucking pissed. Or give him a and, and I realized, <laughs> At least yeah, I mean, I know it started with them saying like, get Bucky out of there and try to, you know, calm Tony down. The only, the only thing was like when, when it got to the point where like Cap was wailing on, on uh, Iron Man, I'm not sure I, I fully bought it, bought that. See, I took this as Steve's arc over the course of these movies has been, 
always that once he decides that he is loyal to a particular cause, he's loyal to a fault, and that's that's his blind spot. So first, it's um, you know he's the he's the super soldier, and that's what he does. Mm-hmm. And then in the mm-hmm. the following movies, he realizes he can't trust the government, and he's a man out of time. So he's holding on to whatever he can in terms of personal relationships. So his his loyalty shifts from systems to people. And, and when the people are on the line, he's going to do whatever it takes, even if it is outside the bounds of what is even remotely reasonable. On the other hand, Tony was following an arc that was paying off in terms of, I've never mm-hmm. felt good enough. My dad always liked you better. And mm-hmm. it turns out that your friend uh, killed my parents and I need closure. It's all it's all been about how does Tony get closure because he's never had a satisfying relationship mm. with his dad and it was abruptly ended to begin with. Right. And I think he was slightly influenced also by watching T'Challa seek vengeance for his dad. So in mm-hmm. his mind, it was kind of a Hamlet thing. Ah, I was saying to Rob, like, let's make well, some I, Hamlet kind of things. It's like young Fortinbras. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I believe I said, uh, I'm functionally illiterate. Please don't bring fucking Shakespeare into this. See, I thought since they did the hands with, uh, uh, what are they, phase two, mm. that maybe phase three is going to be like, always they'll be like dead fathers. <laughs> yeah, it's just, well, it's all dead. Yeah, because that's the Jedi. D- Darth Vader died in right. Jedi. So now yeah. it's like, Every Marvel movie in Phase 3, a father has to die. <laughs> that was one nitpick that I had with this, was now everybody's got Batman's origin. Someone killed my father! Bucky it's Black is Panther. Joe Chill. And, yeah, <laughs> Bucky's Joe Chill in the Marvel Cinematic well, Universe. Well, I, I think I also would have liked it just a little bit more if, if that fight had been less about them battling their ideals and more about Cap preventing Iron Man from committing murder. Mm. And like, because oh. initially, that's how I sort of saw it going. And then they kind of just that kind of fell away, and they went back to the whole just like, no, we just want them fighting right. each other. Yeah, I, I and, don't... And, and, and as much as I thought it was justified where he was protecting his friend, I also felt like I wanted a little bit more of Cap was also protecting Tony and his future and integrity because Tony, Tony's whole arc was him dealing with the ramifications of taking lives and mm-hmm. people who got hurt and people who've been killed. And, uh, you know, I saw it as... Steve is also protecting Tony in that way of like, this is a, a short-term fix for a long-term problem and I can't let you do that sort of thing. And I feel like they almost had that and they just missed it. I think they were trying to. And then when yeah. Tony at the very end was deciding that he was going to use the computer's AI to augment his ability to fight, at that point, right. the gloves were off because Cap saw it as, no, I have to, I have to bring this to an end. Right, right. Maybe. Yeah, see, I, 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 Benari, I don't agree with you at all. I saw what I saw in that final fight. And number one, can we just say for a fight that was between three dudes you know, <laughs> in, in an empty fucking area to, to be the final battle of a superhero movie, you know, that number one, that takes some balls. You know, well, every no, that, movie I, thought, we, I thought it worked because emotion, I mean, look, as an emotional climax, it was fantastic. It was yeah. great that they actually went small with the uh, climax there because that actually had, it it resonated. I think it had like an actual emotional impact. So that was fun to watch where it wasn't just like mindless robots or like space goofball. Or somehow we're going to turn this, this fucking Eastern European city into an extinction level event, which I still don't understand the physics on that one. Vibranium. It's like McIntyre (laughs) said in that show, big vibranium. We're all in the pocket of big fucking vibranium. (laughs) But uh, I, I don't agree with you, Benari, on, oh, it went back to ideology. I think, and again, this is part of the serialized storytelling, and maybe it's just what I brought into it. But mm-hmm. I saw, you know, if you look back on Captain America's history, 
you know, this is the kid who kept him alive when he was unable to fight, when he was unable right. to do anything. And he was by his side through most of World War II. And now this guy is trying to kill him. And not just trying to kill him, before everything goes really almost lethal, he maims him. Bucky's just trying to right. shut him down to remove the arc reactor. And he blows his arm off. And that's when everything becomes well, filthy and, and, and dirty. And that's true because Cap even says, uh, I can do this all day, which which immediately, that's the first. That's like one of the first things he says when Bucky saves his life in the first Captain America movie. Right. Is when, when he's getting the, when Steve is, scrawny Steve is getting the shit kicked out of him. And uh, he's like, I can do this all day. So, I mean, there, there is that, that hearkening back to their roots. Yeah, I get that. Definitely. I mean, I think they definitely did that on purpose. I think there's also a part of Steve that although he's, and this is where I think it gets weird for Steve. Um, I, although he's friends with Tony, because he was friends with Tony's dad first, there's always a part of him that's going to paternalize Tony. And I think that's where he decided he wasn't going to share with Tony his knowledge of how Howard actually died. And hmm. Although he was never that friendly with Howard. Like, Howard, he kind of saw as, a, like, he was always a little wary of the relationship between Peggy and Howard. Yeah. You know, he always, there, there, was, there was always a little bit of weirdness there. Yeah, but that, um, that doesn't matter to Tony. All Tony knows is Howard could never right. stop talking about Steve Rogers. Oh, no, no. Look, from Tony's perspective, Captain America was the shit. Like, you know, it was always like Steve Rogers this and Steve Rogers that. And, you know, Steve, when I was in the war with Steve Rogers, you know, yeah. that was obviously what <laughs> Tony heard growing up. Yeah. That was a fun line, too. Oh, oh, did you know him? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although I thought it was interesting that Howard has in, in the trunk of his car, um, like, five packets of, of super soldier serum that nobody knew about other than Hydra, apparently. Yeah, as late as 1991. And mm. Well, I think that's definitely going to come He was, he was going to the Pentagon. He was yeah. going to the Pentagon. Oh, that's right. So I don't, I, I don't think was, Hydra was the only one that knew about it. He was going like, to sell him out of the back of Benari's fuck tomb. <laughs> <laughs> he was just going to go and like wave him in front of Hank Pym and be like, fuck you. <laughs> <Hello>. <laughs> We got super soldiers. Go make yourself small, buddy. And it's it's like blue milk, like from Tatooine. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was afraid it was Cree blood. Oh were yeah. Like tie it into a uh, uh, shield. Oh, good shield. point. Uh, Maybe well, it was. Well, I mean, I'm sure everything will get tied back into the Cree at some point. But uh, I but I do I, I do like I mean look in this universe it makes sense that Howard Stark would still be you know trying to recreate the super soldier program. That's actually in the in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That's kind of how the Hulk comes into being. Yep. And mm -hmm. and you know they they they're the government's constantly trying to recreate that program. So, uh, you know, in terms of that stuff, I thought that was great. I love that throw. I love that line when when uh, Scott Lang is is locked up and he's like, Hank Pym always said, never trust a Stark, and he's like, Who are you? <laughs> yeah. Come on, man. I think you, it's funny because you brought up Hulk, and I, I really thought that Hulk and Thor were going to be like their their absence would be felt mm. strongly in this, and it and for me it wasn't. And I was also glad that they didn't pop in at the end in some sort of Deus Ex Machina kind of fashion. <laughs> well, those are two, and and the Vision almost played the role in the movie. Uh, those are two characters that will switch the balance in a way that is yeah. almost insurmountable. Unless you have but one I on thought, one side and one man, on the other. Man, I didn't even realize I wanted to see Giant Man until it <laughs> yeah. happened. Oh, my God. And then, and then I was like, holy shit. This is not a like, oh, my God. That, this, I mean, that moment was amazing. This is the, first, this is the first Marvel movie I went into almost completely unspoiled. 
So yeah, when that happened, I'm like, oh god, it was yeah, that was <laughs> that was the best mo- moment of the movie for me, just because it was so completely unexpected and just that, awesome. And then Spider Man just walking across his goggles, and I mean, everything about that <laughs> that fight was just fantastic. That was yeah. I mean, I don't even know how long it was. Twenty minutes. That was just some of the best shit I've seen in a very long time. Absolutely. Oh, and the probably reaction? probably the best superhero fight on screen ever. Yeah, absolutely. Well, absolutely. They no had a, a huge amount of shit going on on two or three different fronts at any given time, and it was still just from a filmmaking direction kind of standpoint. You knew where everybody was, and mm-hmm. you could, you know, certainly everything was shot clearly. Now, in, in the mm-hmm. first battle, uh, where uh, where they wind up blowing up the half the building that caused all this, there was a lot of shaky cam shit. And yeah. it's like, oh, right. the, the Bucky chase too. When they first caught Bucky, they did that also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of Jason Bourne, Paul Greengrass kind of, you know, oh, I'll yeah. shake the camera to right. make it look like it's more exciting than it is. I, I don't remember any of that from that fight. And yeah, I knew where everybody was. I could keep track of what everybody was doing. It was just well shot. And everybody played to their strengths you know <laughs> and they were all swapping i mean every once in a while like somebody would be going in for a kick and all of a sudden like yep. scarlet witch's magic would show up on their on their foot and like <laughs> fly them across the uh, place yeah. well and i like that they're also kind of holding back but not and there's some mm-hmm. of them are like you can't hold back here and and knowing each other's strengths and weaknesses but i love that they were that they that they each had you know that that basically ant-man slash giant man and spider-man were the were the two X factors, you know, that they were the they were the wild cards, basically. Yeah, oh, uh, I, I frankly I wanted more of Ant Man crawling around inside Iron Man's armor, saying, "I'm your conscience. You haven't heard from me for a while. Oh, this is gonna stop working now. That was fucking glorious." I mean, it, it was glorious, and then and just and Spider Man just like webbing in and and you know in the middle of stuff, just being like, "Wow, your shield defies all physics, no demand." <laughs> This is great. You know, wow, you've got a metal arm, dude. That's awesome. Oh, that was so great because we finally also had a a, a real sense in a way of um, how uh, Spider-Man's powers match up versus other heroes in the MCU Mm -hmm. because in his solo movies, yeah, you get a sense of he's really strong. He can stop a a moving subway. Fine. He stopped Bucky. Like He just stopped him. (laughs) And and it was like. He just caught his arm, caught his punch. (laughs) Yep. And, and, and Bucky's and then, reaction was was as telling as anything else. And I think he one of my favorite down Cap, yeah, yeah. yeah. Down Captain America, absolutely. Until he gave Cap too much time to to figure things out, which was great. Uh, yeah. and, and and what was also nice about the battles is they revealed the characters. The the each each matchup revealed something about the characters. So there was a progression in the plot a little bit, but it was also very revealing in terms of you know there was that great moment of after. Uh, Cap kind of throws him and throws a truck at him, and he's holding up. He's he's holding it up, <laughs> like Spider Man's just holding it up. And yeah. Captain America gives him like that smile, like he's sizing him up, and like you know what, kid, like I like you. And he's like, "Where are you from? Queens, Brooklyn." Yeah. Like that <laughs> moment between the two of them was just perfect. And the callback in the in the in the uh, stinger was fun too. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Steve, yeah. Who gave you the black guy? Some kid from Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> His friend was really big. (laughs) (laughs) I I also didn't even mind, you know, Milfy Aunt May, which I thought was going to bug the shit out of me. But this movie was so good that it didn't bother me. No, it really did not bother me at all. (laughs) 
<laughs> I saw that whole thing as setting up um, because we know that Tony Stark's going to be in the Spider-Man movie. Um, Tony, now that he's um, away from That's Pepper, really is going to be trying to lay into Aunt May and is going to try to insert himself as a father figure to, to Peter and it's going to go wrong. That's not the only thing he's going to try to insert himself into. I'm sorry. Oh! That was terrible. <laughs> but it was a slow pitch and I'm a weak man. But I, I think that we haven't seen the end of, of Tony's daddy issues, and now he's going to try it from the other end and, and poor, poorly yeah, parent. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wouldn't even go for that one. <laughs> what? You don't nope. want my low-hanging fruit? <laughs> oh. That's <laughs> We're wrapping up the show. I got to go. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, can we also talk well, about... i to go take care of some daddy issues. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be the new euphemism. i got to go take care of some daddy issues from the other end. Yeah, and actually, uh, we can just leave the show going. This won't take me long. <laughs> but as long as, uh, as long as we're talking about Tony Stark, can we just talk about... I don't think I've seen a character so thoroughly and completely defeated since, like, Shelley and Glengarry Glen Ross. I mean, this oh, is a guy... Man. Who, who for movie upon movie of whatever problem, I come up with a way around it. You know, oh, I'm kidnapped. I'll come up with a fucking Iron Man platform. Oh, Congress is confronting me in Iron Man 2. I'll find a way to get you some technology, but I'll still be able to. He's always been able to think his way through it and wind up on top. And in this final 10 minute battle, his self-identity gets completely eliminated by Cap. Mm-hmm. He, he may not totally understand it, but I think we do. We understand the significance of Captain America looking at you and saying, I can do this all day. That means you're not the fucking hero. You're the asshole. You're the fucking bully. You're the, you're wrong. Well, I think that it also gives him something to fight for because when Tony Stark solves everything, that's when you get like Ultron. And <laughs> you get, that's, you know, I think that's what they've established. And so for Tony, I think it's a nice way. Look, if you're going to keep the, making these movies. At some point, we're going to be like, how many times does Tony Stark have to learn that the weapons he created were, you know, we- became weapons of mass destruction? Mm-hmm. I mean, that that arc yeah. repeats itself. I thought this twist on Tony Stark was actually really... Th- I mean, look, this was as much a, a, a Tony Stark movie as it was a Steve Rogers movie, mm-hmm. and that's a hard thing to pull off, is that they both got... I didn't feel like one sort of overshadowed the other. I thought that they actually balanced each other nicely in that their, their wins and their losses, sort of, there was no win and there was no loss. For, for Tony, he gets his way in the end, but it's at the cost of everything. Yeah. And, yeah. and Captain America wins, but it's also at the cost of everything for him. You know, now he's in Wakanda with uh, Black Panther, which we can talk about that too, which I love that they're setting up T'Challa as that nice bridge between, I mean, just in the, in just his little arc in this movie where he figures out that vengeance isn't the way that, you know, look, he's face-to-face with his father's murderer, but to, to kill him wouldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that also brings a nice uh, sort of regal voice of reason to the proceedings. So when, when you finally bring Captain America and Iron Man back together, you have someone with the gravitas like Black Panther to say, look, <laughs> none of you got anything on me right now, and I'm a king. Uh, you guys should should come back to the table and talk. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. They they set him up as really the only goddamn true adult out of all of them. He's the only yeah. one who is willing to say, I've been shown something that I was not aware of, and I'm willing to change my opinion because of it. Whereas See, everybody guess... else gets locked into, nope, this is, and they get locked into it for legitimate reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, he killed my mom. You're trying to kill my best friend, but they can't alter their course. And he's the only one who shows the willingness to do that. And I, yeah, I thought that was really cool. I'll go the other. Oh boy. 
<clears throat> Ross is frozen. Ross, you back? I am going to fucking suit Time Warner, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, oh. A, that's a good look to freeze on. Oh, okay. <laughs> there we go. All right. Am I frozen again? No, you're okay. No, now. You're, good. you're good. Just before you froze, you were going to say something uh, about Black Panther that you didn't agree with us. And uh, no, Benari pointed out it was probably going to be pretty fucking racist. So why don't you go ahead and say that, Ross? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Benari. I'm glad you had faith. Don't worry. I'm just done. No, I... I Again, it's like I, I felt like the movie was siding more with Captain America in that in the end. Well, let's and face in reality. Part, in part, it was because he got Haven from Black Panther. Right. Was I mean, I, I understand that that goes with the whole Wakandan thing of, of being removed from the world, and there's no better place to be a fugitive, and you know, especially if you have if you have Black Panther's respect. But it, it was you know, again, I'm glad they did that letter at the end from yes. from Steve to Tony. Absolutely, because I think. They, I think they really needed that. I almost feel like they, somebody screened it and realized, like, oh shit, we're we're really coming down on the side of 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 Steve Rogers and making Tony Stark look like an asshole at the end. And we need that one last thing yeah. to kind of balance the scales again. Oh yeah, because he yeah, and I, I didn't I didn't feel that Tony was an asshole. Per, I mean, personally, no. I I felt like he was completely justified and just and lost and was sort of looking his wounds. But that's why I I too. I normally don't like that. It depends how it's done. I thought this was very well done in that basically Cap sends him the letter and you get to hear what he's saying. And then that also like sort of knowing thing of he gives Tony the heads up of like, by the way, I'm going to bust everyone out. And, and Tony, you know, hangs up on uh, Secretary Ross. We put him on yeah. hold. We want to see the blinky light. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> for, for the movie siding with Captain America, I mean, it was... It wasn't Avengers Civil War. It was Captain America Civil War. So I can understand why they would do it. I mean, let's face it, the, the comic book kind of came in on that side. You yeah. Know, realistically, in, in this kind of fiction, are you really going to come down to, oh, yes, uh, everybody becomes some form of UN stooge? <laughs> you know, oh, Jesus, there's a monster attacking uh, Moscow. Well, you know, we'll, we'll sit here until the resolution goes through. <laughs> I actually thought there was a great moment where Captain America was just about to sign. And then Tony kind of, you know, had <laughs> one, Tony, one too many things, yeah. one too many things. It was like, I'm locking the Scarlet Witch up for her own protection. I'm doing this. And that that's sort of what pushed Steve to to reject the whole thing, because there was that moment of like Steve recognizing, yeah, it's probably a good thing. Yeah, this is probably the thing we need to do. But there have to be limits in place and we're not going to you know, turn on our friends. And I think for him, it's it was that I think it was Tony's willingness to not trust his own people yeah. to make good decisions, I think. Well, and, and I think that's what you were saying about his, uh, Steve Rogers arc of trusting people over institutions, you know, where he starts trusting an institution in the end, all he can really trust are the people around him. Mm. And I think Tony Stark doesn't necessarily always trust the people around him. Right. Tony trusts well, what he's going to do. What's nor, right. Nor should he. I mean, you know, <laughs> no, his, first, no. uh, his first villain <laughs> was, you know, uh, Jeff Bridges, whatever. Right. Was his was his father figure? Was yeah. his yeah. you know his uh, his business partner and uh, and uh, long time friend and compatriot. Yeah. Jebediah Stain, I, I remember. Well, that's that's <laughs> the irony is is Tony is demanding that somebody parent him. <laughs> He's demanding that somebody have oversight over him and control his actions, and yet he, in every other instance, has always shown that he will chafe against that and try to rebel. Mm -hmm. so, <laughs> I think, well, Captain America can... parented the shit out of him. 
right in the face. <laughs> he parented yeah, he my face. <laughs> I need oversight, or I make things like Ultron to help me. Yeah, <laughs> I think the the direct. I think the filmmakers did a solid job in showing each side understanding the other at various points until everything mm-hmm. became a bridge too far. There was Minari you pointed out when he was about when Captain America was about ready to sign until uh this one other thing. And Tony Stark basically all but swearing at Hawkeye going, "You're a criminal. You did this to yourself." And I think mm-hmm. I, you can almost see in his head saying, "Why these are my people?" And that I think was the moment he decided, "Okay, I'm going to shut the audio off and I will go help Cap uh. even though I will be violating the law and violating everything right. that I set up until now. It, it took you know, Zemo to put a series of things into place where for everybody it was just one thing too often. And it wasn't necessarily ideological. It was very personal. It was you're trying to protect the man who killed my parents. You're trying to kill my best friend. And that's when everything went to hell. So I think they balanced it pretty well. Because there were definitely moments where each character looked like an intractable douchebag. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah, it's well. Even Zemo's motivations were because his his wife, child, and father died. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, the the whole family thing, you know, permeates through all this, and it's unfortunately one of the problems I had with it is now everybody has Batman's origin. Well, yeah, I mean, there is a uh, and look as I I thought that for this particular movie, that was a great way to use Zemo as as a a non villain. You know that he's just the guy that sets everything into motion, but the the end result was he's just trying to break it down from within. And I and I do love that whole thing of bring you know if you if an outside force brings down the empire, it will rebuild and come back stronger. But if it if it destroys itself, there's no coming back from that. Yeah. And I really I really liked that idea, and that also was a very I think elegant way for Marvel to <laughs> attack its villain problem. I mean, aside from Loki, who's no one's favorite villain in the comic books, he's the best movie villain they have. Yeah. And yeah. and I think there's a reason for that. And uh, I, I do think that they've had issues with having good, compelling villains that, you know, they want to take over the world. There's only so many times you can have the villain that wants to take over the world. I thought this was an elegant way to uh, attack that pr- their, their villain problem and make the lack of being a, a real sturdy villain a benefit in this case. Yeah, because I thought it was also interesting that they they have this whole like, oh, there's there's more super soldier serum out there. They've created these other winter soldiers. Then they get there and they're all dead. <laughs> this, right. this bait it was and great. switch. It's, like, oh, it's not going to be a big battle. He he's trying to wipe them out. Yeah, and, and you know there was that great. It, it is. It's kind of like a de-escalation of what we're what we've been programmed to expect from a Marvel movie. Is like, and here comes the big fight with twenty versions of the main character. You know, but bigger and stronger and whatever. Uh, and so this was this was again just a a nice misdirect. Even that Empire line, I I didn't catch at first that he was talking about the Avengers. Yeah, right. Which right. you know, so and again, then, a night, it was full of those nice little misdirects. Yes, that he's not even it's not even at America. It was literally he's just trying to destroy the Avengers, yeah. and uh, it was great. You know that that's that now that the Avengers as this as these superpowered beings uh you know going forward there are a lot of things that they have to grapple with and that's why i like again it was such a great way to introduce black panther into this universe of like well how are you going to have a king why is he going to be running around with these superheroes or whatever there is a nice it immediately uh forms a bond with 
with them and sort of explains why he would even be running around superheroing with the Avengers or anything like that while also being a king. So I think that they've done a really, I mean, it's a very difficult task to set, to set up that much with, you know, what they were given. Oh, one little thing too with the Black Panther that I really loved, and that's because his suit was like vibranium. Every time he landed, he's perfectly silent. Yeah. There, there's, <laughs> there were no thuds or sounds when he was like jumping on things. And yeah. I, and I just thought that was a nice little, just touch. a nice little, yeah, a nice little touch that they had. It was almost cat like. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what he was getting at, Amanda. <laughs> oh. What did you spike that was- mountain do with? It was, it was also really nice with Black Panther, especially. They did really introduce a lot of his uh, pantheon there, a lot of, you know, a lot of the, the other characters who are going to appear in his movie. But they just they didn't make a deal of it at all. Right. You know, I, I don't remember the, the woman bodyguard's name, but like she was there for a second. She showed up. He wasn't like, oh, step aside. Um, my bodyguard, my bodyguard, yeah, yeah. who will be with me for all time, you uh, know, whatever. Whose name I remembered right up until Ross brought her up. Shit. All right. <laughs> but yeah, it's, and and Everett Ross, I was, I was. Uh, clearly, her it. name is Omarosa. That's <laughs> Omarosa. Oh. oh. <laughs> they set it up well enough, and the payoff at the end, where that's where everybody sought sanctuary. Because in my head, through the whole thing, I'm like, really, you've got Captain America and Bucky. Two American soldiers from World War II, and nobody's saying Americans don't answer to kings. And then he get okay, yeah, no, that might have queered the deal. So yeah, mm. so yeah, they clearly thought the whole thing through. I mean, including yeah, that because yeah, the more I think about it, that final scene to have some reconciliation between mm-hmm. Cap and Tony, because I don't want to beat a dead horse. Like I've never seen a guy so thoroughly defeated. He's reduced to, you can't take that. That's my dad's. That's a a childhood thing you yell at somebody. He's thoroughly infantilized. Is that the word? Um, Yeah. 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 And he's just, he's got nothing left. He's just thoroughly defeated. Yeah, you have to have something. And I thought that was a good scene to begin to rehab Tony. And I think we'll see more of it. Yeah. In Spider-Man Homecoming. and that and that nice little moment of just Steve um, not even thinking twice just tosses the shield at him. Yeah. I mean which was such a great because we know how much the shield means to him. Yeah. And so for that moment of Tony being like that you like that doesn't even belong to you you don't deserve it. Yeah. Steve agrees with that. Yeah. Steve, he does, yeah. That, there's a moment of like as childish as it is for Tony to yell that at him. Steve 100% agrees with him and doesn't even think twice about Yeah. resigning. Here, take your ball. You can go home. <laughs> Please, God, let this mean Nomad. I have to see Nomad in a movie before I die. <laughs> I don't want it to be the captain. Okay, why are you getting greedy? Okay? <laughs> I, I think that's what Look, we're... Look, we just saw giant fucking man. Okay? <laughs> Tossing around. And like him. We liked him. Here... It was great. He... I mean, I mean, it was one of the highlights of this movie. He... I mean, hear, no, hear I... me out, God damn it. <laughs> I think that's what we're going to get because Captain America is now outside of America and in exile. Mm-hmm. He is a man without a country. The mm-hmm. first time in the comics where it wasn't a misunderstanding or in it where Captain America and Iron Man fought, I think, was in Armor Wars when he was the captain with just a pure vibranium shield, not the Captain America shield. Yeah, right. I, I think we're which I, which I think we'll be getting because he's in Wakanda. Yeah. Land of big vibranium. Exactly. 
Sam Sam Wilson is still no th- no he's not in the United no, States. Sam, Sam is on the run with. Uh, him uh, that well. was my yeah. other theory that Sam. Uh, that's a perfect thing to okay make him Captain America the way he is in the comics now. And yeah, you've got Nomad on one side and a new Captain America on the other. But yeah, all right, that part doesn't work. But I'll stand by the Nomad thing. God damn it. So my question is: Was Wanda's time on the raft enough to sort sort of put her down the path to mad um, like madness? It's uh, <laughs> it's possible, but Kevin Feige already said no in humans. At least it's off the movie schedule, so I don't know what she can do right. with that. Well, she's she's enhanced. She could say no more powers or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't well, no, I don't think I don't think they'll be going. I mean, I do, and I love. By the way, Vision in a turtleneck sweater is also <laughs> you know, and wearing a turtleneck and a V neck sweater. Like it's just. I didn't, again, things I didn't realize I wanted to see so badly in the movie, all of a sudden I was like, oh my god, I love Vision just wearing regular normal guy clothes. See, every time so, he did that, though, I felt like like the clothing was his mask of sanity. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. But that was the thing that he would always do in, like, the comics that was always kind of weird but hilarious, that he would just be sitting there, like, reading a paper, wearing a sweater and slacks, and you're like, oh, what are you doing, Vision? But it's him. He just wants to fit in and, and be like normal. Yeah. Well, that and, was that was one of the problems. The, one of the only few problems I had with the movie actually was Vision and Wanda because and I think it, it's in part because Paul Bettany is so much older than Elizabeth Olsen that it just it came off as kind of a creeper thing. And everything he did just seemed like a controlling boyfriend because even though he's 30, 40 something, he was behaving like like 14 year old with his first girlfriend. So he would do things like well, phase into her he was room. just brought to life <laughs> a, a couple of months ago and he's a synthetic humanoid android I, being and okay? i, I so understand creepy and controlling <laughs> he's got a fucking mind gem <laughs> in his head okay he's got the secrets of the universe that he's trying to unlock and his first thing like his first moments on earth were everyone attacking him <laughs> and then thor striking him with lightning it's so, Amanda, so I'm sorry if he's a little awkward around humans. But it, it wasn't just awkward. Uh, Amanda and I talked about this, and that was my initial reaction. It's like, oh, come on. But she brought up a lot of, like, classic weird creeper shit. So, so for, she might have a point. There might be something that we'll see. I, I actually have no idea about the, the actor's age. Okay. How old? Or, or either what? of them, really. I mean, I, so so that didn't... That didn't bother me, and he was—he was really awkward as shit, and um, I—he had no game, and Just didn't even least. know why he was doing what he was doing, except in in terms of like you know, well, he was on a mission from Tony, you know, it's the idea where like he 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 cooked a he cooked the meal, but he he has no idea what food tastes like. Like that's right. his that's his human experience. Okay, let me, right. let me let me dial it back. So when we first. Um, <laughs> Let me. By the way, in the comic book, the <laughs> fact that like a robot fucked a lady and had kids with her didn't bother you or creep you out ever. Uh, no, no, because that was okay. that was you know fantasy. It's like a really expensive they got, they sex got toy. They married and they made it official before they had children. <laughs> it's been a fantasy of mine since I was twelve. Anyway, so we see um, at various times um, Vision phasing into her personal space, even though he's been told repeatedly not to. And it mm-hmm. happens to be on an occasion where she's in her room talking to another guy. And then later on, yeah, he makes her dinner so she won't leave the house. And then goes off on an extended, uh, look, we have so much stuff in common. Aren't we awesome? Our powers come from the same thing. I just want people to to like you and cherish you the way I do. So I think you need to stay in the house and out of the sight of others because Tony said so. There's this controlling aspect that made it seem like... 
a teenage romance gone controlling and abusive. And so when she finally hex magics him into the floor, I found that very satisfying. Oh, yeah. No, no. I, I absolutely <laughs> buy that. And I, I was it, it was earned for her to do that as well. Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm only defending his motivation. Not yeah. his, not the uh, execution of it. Yeah, I, I think he's also just trying to basically. Tony's his dad, you know. Look, he he was Jarvis before he was the Vision, so yep. it's Jarvis's operating system. So that makes Tony his dad, and then Tony's also kind of his grandfather because he's Ultron's dad, and his dad was fucked up. So like th- again, these are all weird. Oh my daddies. god! And, and Tony, Vision's dad died too. <laughs> He killed his dad. No, and the one who killed his dad. And and I I actually had I had actually posited that to Rob when I was going over this with him yesterday. (laughs) Um, So it takes like the one person who is arguably in a healthy relationship, Clint, to be the voice Mm -hmm. of reason and get her to you know she's at such a point where he's been in her head and controlling her so much that when Clint shows up, she doesn't even want to leave the house um, because she thinks that you know this is the right thing to do until Clint points out that she has to get off her ass and take control of her own life and and stop being afraid of of the world outside and what she could do to it versus what it could do to her. Clint weirdly has like the most stable relationships and healthy relationships outside of the team. And he got himself locked up and thrown in jail. Talk about disappointing your kids, as he says. <laughs> uh, Amanda has a theory about that also, which I initially said, oh, no, oh, but having rewatched Clint murdered, it. Clint murdered his family. <laughs> that, that no. Uh, so, no my, okay. I, I, think Clint, I think Clint came back out of retirement because Natasha asked. And that the two of them are behaving as double agents within their teams to try to help control the situation, realizing that Iron Man and Captain America were on too far of an extreme from each other to be able to manage this appropriately. Well, if that were the case, it wouldn't be Natasha. It would have been Natasha's boss, Nick Fury. Also no, possible. Yeah. <laughs> Although his his apps, let's face it, he, it's his fucking fault, this whole movie. Oh, well, <laughs> If he showed up once... Absent father. <laughs> yeah, there we Absent go. Absent dad. Absent dad. But uh, no, it's uh, Amanda. And initially when she brought this up with me, I'm like, no, that's not the case. But she she had a point because, um, yeah, there was a uh, – why, why don't you well, – There's that moment where... before they all head off to the airport where Tony's like, I don't know. How are we going to find them? And Natasha makes an ambiguous statement about I think I've got a guy. I, I think I know a, a guy or something like that. Or I know a way. I know or a way. Like that. Yeah. I know a way. Hers was downstairs, except hers was downstairs. I think she was talking more about their stuff. No, that oh, was I the, that, that was, was the when con- they were going to recruit new heroes. Yeah, that was that was a separate conversation about recruitment. Um, oh, yeah, and then and then later on, um, when oh no, I know uh, no. Here, so I think her statement was Sharon Carter because Sharon Carter was there. Yeah, so but when, we're so meant when, to when Natasha. So when they're saying how are we going to do this, her thing was going to be was going to use Sharon to get Cap and Tony's was like, oh, my guy's in Queens. Well, if if that was actually the case, then Sharon Carter is the biggest cock-teasing traitor I've ever seen (laughs) in any motion picture. And I've seen a lot of weird, ugly pornography. That's because the the very next scene, the very next scene (laughs) after, after Black Widow says, I think I know someone is Sharon Carter kissing Captain America for the first time. Right, and I, I think Benari was suggesting that that she was that Black Widow was tailing her. Ah, yes, oh. yes. Well, now I feel okay. bad. <laughs> that she was going to basically use that really like she's 
I mean, she she knows from Winter Soldier that there was a thing that Cap has a thing for Sharon. She's the only one who knows that too. See, I also though took it as, <laughs> and she took Cap's side at the very end when he when uh, you know at the end of that fight when she starts blasting Black Panther with her widow stings. She lets him get away. That's where I took it as the double agent piece where she's going to manage it from the inside as mm-hmm. best she can. Because there was also the exchange she had with Clint where the two of them back and forth like, you know, are we still friends? You know, it depends on how yeah. hard you hit me. And then Wanda totally calls him out on pulling his punches. Mm. Which could, my initial reaction was, well, yeah, they're friends. That's why they're not going full out. But right. Then- but if, if Clint was a double agent, then why did he end up in jail? Because, again, he's got to stay with his team to help manage it as best he can. And if he's not with them in the jail, he can't manage it. Uh, I don't I, I don't know. I, he's the I, one that gets through to Tony. The way, except, that, except that how he acted. I mean, he was he was. Uh, yeah. And she was surprised to see him in that in that moment, I think, too. I mean, the way the like way they pro, played though. it. <laughs> oh, he was the only one doing his time like a pro. <laughs> yeah. Actually, no, he no. And Scott Lang was, too. He was playing the drums. He was he was having a good old time. It's, it was a day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, actually, every, everybody except uh, Scarlet Witch was, you know, yeah, the Falcon was, uh, you'll have to get Mark Furman on my ass to get me to tell you anything. And, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. I mean, look, I, I just thought uh, it was really great to see, I, again, that that introduction of Spider-Man of just both Scott Lang and Peter Parker, their sort of awe at being with these heroes. Yeah. It gave a nice sense of the hierarchy also in the Marvel Universe of like, oh, these guys are like legends and I'm just making it up as I go along. And there's a nice, there's just nice moments and and grounding it in this. I mean, the the more characters you add, the more fantastic it's going to get and the more outlandish and less grounded in reality it's going to get. So that's a nice way to have these fucking super geniuses also just in awe of what's going on around them. Well, yeah, just uh, that line reading Paul Rudd gave of, here's your shield, Captain America. Like, <laughs> I can't believe how part of this. No, this is so really. awesome. And, and not, not taking it seriously and just, you know, being so proud to be part of it. Yeah, let, let's go back to, to Spider-Man for a minute. We've talked a little bit about it. And, yeah, it's it really in its own way felt like, okay, here's just a thing that's been added because it has to be added. Spider-Man really didn't fit into the entire thing. With that said... It's, so glad he was there. Yeah, it's, <laughs> you know we've we've talked about this a little bit before we uh, started taping. It's it, yeah, I didn't realize I'd never seen Spider-Man in a movie before. But Ari, you told me that. I think well, I emailed that to glimpses. you. I liked. I mean, look, I loved the original. You know, I loved the the Sam Raimi Spider-Man. I loved. Uh, I really liked uh, whatever what's his British fuck's name who was Peter Parker in the Andrew last Garfield. Spider-Man. That was terrible. Andrew but Garfield. but I you know Andrew Garfield. But I liked, you know, I liked his energy, but there was never, I don't think they quite ever had that perfect balance of when the, when Spider-Man was Spider-Man of what that's supposed to be and look and feel like and sound like. And this one, that constant talking, you know, him being just a kid and having this just enthusiasm for what he's doing and excited and the talking to cover up the nervousness, like as they're charging when he's like, uh, they're not stopping. <laughs> <laughs> That's Spider-Man in those fights. Like, he's just totally out of his element. He's like, hey, by the way, we're totally, this is fucked up. All right, guys. All right, let's go do this thing. What do you want me to do That's, again? Yeah. <laughs> but it, look, Spider-Man has ADHD. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, I, I'll always have a soft spot for particularly Spider-Man 2, which I, I don't think is the best Spider-Man movie in the world, but it, it's still a great superhero movie. I'm always going to have a soft spot for those, but it's mostly yeah. because... Okay, you caught how he moves, mm-hmm. and this is what I'm seeing is what I always thought that I would see. 
Uh, right. There was less of that in the Amazing Spider-Man movies, but uh, the second one, uh, I think, got closest to, all right, he's at least wisecracking a little bit. He's getting closer to the character. But the moment the moment when Falcon says to me, he's like, I don't know if you've ever been in a fight before. Or was it Rhodey? Whoever he's fighting. Yeah. He's like, I was talking, yeah. He's like, I don't know if you've ever been in a fight before, but there's usually not this much talking. That's what it's like to be in a fight with Spider-Man. Like that's, <laughs> he's, he's annoying the fuck out of everyone around him and distracting them with quips and, and, and he's moving fast. And even though he's completely overpowered and probably outclassed, he, he will run circles around everyone because he's just going, going, going and, and talking and webbing and swinging. And it's like, you know, it's great. I mean, that's, that's what it looks like. And the fact that they pulled that off was just, I mean, Oh, Fantastic. Yeah. That kind of wisecracking and enthusiasm should have been there from the first Spider-Man movie. Sure. You know, as opposed yeah, to... It was there a little bit with... Uh, I mean, they tried with, with the first one. They tried. and But this one just... I just... They just This got it. it so much better. Yeah. yeah. It, it was just so great to just see... Uh, to see that in action and to see how he plays off the other characters. And it also just shows you, too, what was nice was it's great to see Spider-Man as a foil for all these other characters who mm. take themselves so seriously... And you have this kid who is, you know, I think they, the thing that this, the Spider-Man movies always got right was the responsibility part. Yeah. But they never got the fun of being Spider-Man part. And I think this one nicely balanced both of those things where you got that this kid is like deeply wrecked by something. I'm glad we didn't have to go over Uncle Ben again. Yeah. Uh, that we, yeah, that we yes. just got to Spider-Man. It's like, hey, maybe we also learned a lesson that we can just get to the Spider-Man part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I actually I had a post uh before I saw it yesterday like, "Oh, I hope they tell the origin so nobody's going to Yeah, right. <laughs> but it's, but it's like, "Oh, um, you throw Spider-Man in there? It's going to be enjoyable. We don't yeah. need to talk about the origin again." How did you feel about the fact that like they whiffed on on giving him uh the opportunity to say great power and responsibility? I Was that a good thing that they that they didn't that they said it a different way or I didn't think they whiffed. I thought that they did a I think they did a terrific job because at that moment, if he had said it, I think it would have gotten a groan. And I think that you were waiting for, I know, I think you were waiting for him to say it, but the fact that he was just like, I think if we don't, he said it the way a 15 year old kid would say it. Mm. Not the, you know, not the way that he learned as he got older. Yeah. And I like that. I like that he sort of says that and explains it in the 15 year old way to Tony Stark. And I, I had no problem with them not doing it because there are so many people who forget. If you read Amazing Fantasy 15, yeah, that phrase gets said, but it gets said by Stan Lee, the narrator. Stan Lee, the narrator, <laughs> says it. Yeah. yeah, and then later they have Uncle Ben saying it. And again, it's the same lesson. It is the it is the lesson. But I like that he was a 15-year-old kid. Even, it, and I think they were consistent with that, too, because he's like, remember that old movie, Empire Strikes Back, with the yeah. lock of things? <laughs> yeah. and, and, and remember that thing? That's when I wanted to punch Spider-Man. Yeah. Fucking oh, that was awesome. He took Giant Man down like yeah. an ad-ad. <laughs> <laughs> he took time and like an ad at, and again revealed character because everyone else is like, "How old is this fucking thing that you brought in here? <laughs> Who is this child that you brought?" And Tony's like, "He's a little on the young side." Like that was great. It's great that like Tony brought in. That's the moment when everyone realizes, "Oh, he's a child." Yeah. <laughs> but just good parenting, the, Tony. Yes. <laughs> well, he tells him that he's like, "You're done." Yeah. He sends him home. He's like, "You are done. This fight is over for you." Well, Tony is a binary parent. He doesn't. He doesn't see like Grays. So it's um, uh, Wanda stay in the house. Like she's right. Carl from The Walking Dead. And huh. it's um, and and for Spider Man, nope, you're done now. No, I want to be up. No, I'll tell May. You're done. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> 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 
So what happens when Tony tries to pseudo parent and somebody tells him no? How is he going to react? Because all he uh, ever he's did gonna, he's to gonna get the arc reactor kicked out of him. Like, <laughs> well, it's just <laughs> which like, is what Captain America did. All he ever did to Howard was say no. So mm-hmm. what's going to happen when it happens to him? Yeah. Oh shit! Now I'm really looking forward to seeing Tony Stark in a <laughs> Spider-Man movie. I know, but don't don't get too hope. I mean, it's not. He's not. Gonna, I don't know. I'm I'm worried that we're gonna like expect too much of him now. He's gonna sleep without Matt. No, it'll be it'll. I think it'll be a small cameo. Although I do like. So here's what I also like. <laughs> don't just be like walking out of Aunt May's yeah. one morning. Yeah, that's it. You're only gonna see him be like, "Hey, kid." <laughs> <laughs> Got some walnut date loaf. Tightening his belt as yeah, he's going. He's gonna be wearing like Aunt May's like tiny robe. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and be like, "Hey, Pete, what's shaking?" <laughs> Hoping uh, to keep you up last night. <laughs> yep. Oh, I think you got some web fluid. Nope, that's not oh, web fluid. Oh, that's Sorry not web that. fluid. But it's just what they were able to do. Yeah, without going too much into the origin, but how they were able to paint classic Peter Parker, even though yeah, it was a younger yeah. Aunt May, showing that yeah, they're basically broke. Uh, shows the lower lower mm-hmm. middle class income just by showing it. Yeah, you know, the fact that one of the first things Peter says is, "Is there money in this?" Yeah, you know, which is yeah, <laughs> classic Parker luck. I got to get money for Aunt May. I got to figure out a way to monetize this. Which but is- I also like that the respect that Tony has for him and his scientific mind, and they did a great job of establishing, because again, one of the complaints was like, well, how can he make a costume like that? Or how can he make all this web fluid? And it's like, oh, he can't. He's, he's, a, he's a dumpster diver. He scrounges everything together. So then you combine that with Tony Stark who says, all right, kid, I can get you money. I can give you funding to build all this shit that you want to build and do and a suit and we'll do this. So that in conjunction with it, I thought in the context of this universe makes perfect sense. You have this like really smart kid. So Tony's going to mentor him a little bit, but the thing that he's really going to give him is the resources to be able to go and do and be Spider-Man without screwing with it too much. Cause you know, he's still going to be a 15 year old kid. So he's still going to live in Queens and live with his aunt and all that sort of stuff. But as Spider-Man, he's going to have access to the resources. So you don't have to worry about like, well, how could he get so many web shooters and all that? That would cost a fortune. It's like, yeah, Tony Stark, magic money, man. Like, there you go. <laughs> and uh, just the costume itself, it really stuck out with everybody else's by just going with that straight old school you know, yep. Ditko, Ramita. It really didn't look like it fit at all, but it was it was absolutely perfect with the comic book. Oh, it's absolutely perfect. And, and, and yeah. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Or are we just... No. Yeah. <laughs> and, and <laughs> we're just agree- I think we're just agreeing. It was just like, yeah, that was just great. It was great to see him. I love the way it moved. I love the expression in the mask. I love the way the eyes moved. I love the way, you know, the webs worked. It, it, the, everything like that, I just thought was pitch perfect. It makes me, it makes me, you know, looking forward to seeing this version of Spider-Man. Yeah. Which is what these yes. movies are supposed to do. I mean, these movies are just giant commercials for the next 20 movies they want me to see. <laughs> and it worked. The thing that I, the thing that I, I noticed with this one as opposed to Age of Ultron, I really enjoyed Age of Ultron, but I thought that when it got creaky was when you could see the 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 levers being pulled of like, and this is setting up this one, and here's bringing this one in. Well, they, and, they were totally and, separate from the plot, just like 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 Snyder did. And um, all right, yeah, I, I, the ice I said the name. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that's it. We'll your, get to that's it. your no, first. I, I know. About I know. But they, they were, you know, like Thor going in the pool, and and I know that that's a big thing that Whedon has said. They they filmed oh. more and tried to make it. You know, he fought against it. I understand all that. But I don't feel like this movie was set up. This movie was it, – it certainly ended with um, without the story being 
uh, you know, it ended with the story in the middle, or, or certainly with more story to tell. And but it also told part a of it. Story. Well, part, but part of what I really enjoyed about this is I, before this movie, I kind of they were talking about how like Downey might be leaving, and and right. or like well Stark might die, and you know, really, I, I Iron Man, I didn't, I was not a big fan of of either of the Iron Man sequels. And I kind of felt like, well, maybe there's just not too much more Tony Stark story to tell in the movies. And now, no, fuck that. I want to see what happens next with this guy. Yeah, and I thought they did such a seamless job this time of effortlessly bringing all these different characters in and setting up future things and calling back to prior events and making it all make logical sense. And again, I understand totally I'm being manipulated, but it was this particular movie was such a well-oiled machine that I appreciated it for what it accomplished. I, but I disagree that you were being manipulated. You were told a good story. I was told a good story. It just That's happened true. to not be the final chapter. Sure. And 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 it just happens to be one chapter in this whatever ongoing myth-making universe-building thing that they're right. doing, which I get and I understand. But as a standalone movie, it was so enjoyable and so seamless. I just It was amazing that they pulled this off. Yeah. yeah, there was never a point where I felt like it was, uh, okay, and now here's the exposition, with the exception of the Spider-Man stuff. Yeah. The Spider-Man... Going but I, to, loved every se- I loved every second of that. I think I it mean, was... I, 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 yeah, I think I, it was I, ex- I'll disagree with that, too, because it was... Uh, I, and, I mean, I, it, was, it was fun as hell. Yeah. Um, they, Stark was there, so it would totally, it completely fit into the story. He had a day and a half to, to you know recruit and train and get the kid to Germany. And I thought that they did a good job of contrasting Peter Parker, young 15-year-old scrawny kid from Queens, with the Steve Rogers from Brooklyn. Mm. I, 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 as this might be a little bit of a stretch, but there is something very nice to, again, that exchange of where you're from, Queens, Brooklyn. When Steve Rogers, when they finished fighting and he sized him up, there's that moment of recognition on Steve's behalf of like, I know that kid. I know the heart that this kid has. This kid's not going down. This kid's not giving up. I was that kid. I was like that kid. Yeah, absolutely. That was me. And so that like young kid from the boroughs, it was a nice contrast to who Steve Rogers has become and sort of reminding him of, of his roots and where he came from. Mm-hmm. It's a, I, and, I, 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 go ahead, Ross. No, I, I mean, that was actually a moment, too, where I was like kind of surprised he didn't help him. Mm. So yeah. He just left him there holding the truck. He's he's also well. I think he knew he could take it. <laughs> true. Yeah. True. Yeah, he no, sized no. him up. He was just like, okay, yeah, he's got it. You know, it'll be okay. Yeah. Look, the kid, okay. the kid fought Captain America to a standstill and hit him and hit him hard. He probably yeah. figured, uh, okay, can it? And he stood there long enough to make sure he could hold it up. Let's that's face that's it. how I took Good it point. too, because again, there was that smile. It wasn't like a brooding moment of like seriousness. It was that moment of like, all right. Mm. You got Moxie, kid. I like you. <laughs> you know? Look, I, I love the Spider-Man stuff. I love what it set up. I love that he was in it. But if you take a step back and you're really honest, it's okay. We have this large level conflict going on at the at the level of nations are demanding these things happen, and we have people with superpowers and super soldiers and well-trained people. And hold on, you know what we need? This kid I saw on YouTube. Who I don't know but what he can do it, beyond But they YouTube. made it work thematically. And I think that that's <laughs> the important thing, is it didn't just fucking, it, it didn't get shoved in there the way that the Infinity Stones got shoved into uh, Age of Ultron. Mm. You know what I mean? And it didn't get shoved in there the way, like, everything made logical sense here, where it's like, 
Tony Stark, it also shows Tony Stark's character. He's 12 steps ahead of everyone else still. Like, even with all the Avengers now, he's doing what Nick Fury taught him to do, which is be on the lookout for future talent and other stuff. I mean, that was a great moment, even when he says, when, when Ant-Man becomes Giant Man, and Tony Stark's like, all right, anyone on my team have unexpected fantastic <laughs> powers that no one has mentioned? You know, like, that's just a great thing, because Tony doesn't like to be taken by surprise. Right. He likes to be the guy that surprises people. And you're you're bringing me around a little bit, and I'm in no way saying I wish. Oh, that 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 dragged me out of it. The way, yeah, Thor with Doctor Selvig, you know, looking into the the pool yeah. of future Marvel movies, did with Age of Ultron. <laughs> there are just, five stones, each one representing five spinoff movies each. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm just saying, if there was a place where I think it fell down a little bit. It was, yeah, getting Spider-Man into it. But otherwise, yeah, they set up a huge number of future properties here. I think we could easily see an announcement of either a new Avengers or a secret Avengers coming out of you know, the team that is in Wakanda. And I like that they've split it off, too, that you can have sort of these sort of second-tier Avengers. I'm kind of interested. I'm interested in seeing what happens with the with the vision of the Scarlet Witch and, and Black Widow. I want that to be like a, a buddy comedy. <laughs> like a meat cute. <laughs> Suddenly, I'm Vision and Scarlet Witch. <laughs> well, for Amanda, it's like a, a creepy fucking kidnap uh, child. Yeah, uh, Stockholm Syndrome movie. thing. <laughs> That's a rom com. Yeah. Yeah. Look, look, May you guys December. see. Look, Ross and Amanda are going to watch The Professional in very different ways. <laughs> that they both. Might like that movie for different reasons, but they come at it from very different angles. Yeah. <laughs> I, I literally just bought that on Blu-ray, and I will be returning it. <laughs> but, it, yeah, it, they definitely did a far better job of setting up possible future properties and, and properties that we know about. I mean, flat out no Black Panther yeah. is coming than they did in probably the last couple of movies. I mean, what what else do we think? What do you think? Doctor Strange looked fucking great, by the way. Oh God, yes. Yeah, that that one's going to be tricky because I don't have a lot of love for classic Doctor Strange. It's not a character that I ever you know, really got into. But my God, if you guys aren't reading Jason Aaron and Chris Boccolo Doctor Strange right now, mm-hmm. you really should be. Because even as somebody who's like uh, Doctor Strange, eh, oh, what they're doing with it is fucking awesome. There was a great Brian K. Vaughn miniseries too that uh, that, was, that was fantastic, probably, but. Ten years ago now, or something like that. And that, I uh, think I missed that one, so I'm gonna have to hunt that down. Yeah, also, also fantastic. I think it's called The Oath or something along those lines. Um, but yeah, I, 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 but I mean, who, who would have thought that you know you'd see a preview for Doctor Strange and be like, oh fuck yeah, I'm in. Yeah. Like I mean, yeah. you know, mystic arts and kung fu. <laughs> oh yeah, okay, great. <laughs> Although, uh, yeah, Amanda called. Uh, I still think it should be Mads Mikkelsen as Doctor Strange. I know he's in the movie, but that was our <laughs> early pick. That would have been glorious. So, I mean, what else? Do, you know, I, I gave my pitch. You know, I think Nomad's coming. Uh, anybody else want to extrapolate, you know, oh, what could be some stuff they could spin out of this? Because, yeah, we know Black Panther's coming. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, for me, I see this as sort of giving the green light for, like, Hawkeye, for mm-hmm. Black Widow, for Black Panther, for Falcon, uh, some of the other tier characters. And now you bring in Iron Man and Captain America when, when shit really hits the fan. Because at some point... There has to be a passing of the torch, mm-hmm. and and we have to care about these other characters. And I think now what they've done is done a very good job of setting up this 
large, expansive universe in which other characters can can sustain interesting stories as well. And and with the backdrop of these other, you know, with these with with your top tier characters, and the fact that Captain America and Iron Man are now like top tier characters, uh, it was also fantastic. I mean, we are <laughs> we are we are living in the fucking golden age, my friends. Uh, this is something I just sort of, and this is really swinging, not swinging for the fences, but it's probably well. One of the things that I I was not a big fan of Jonathan Hickman's run on Avengers, but one of the things I liked that came from that and from Avengers versus X Men was how Namor kind of laid waste to Wakanda, and then Namor uh, uh, T'Challa was forced to work with him until he could find a way to get revenge and basically knife him in the back. Mm-hmm. So. This could... Well, you're not going to see Namor because I believe that he's still tied up with the Fantastic Four mm. uh, Fox uh, debacles until they can cut a deal with them to get that stuff. But I don't, I think, if you really want to know, I think the next one that they're going to set up, I know that they've already said that Infinity War Part 1 and Part 2 was misleading. Yeah, I think the next thing we're going to get is the Kree, a version of the Kree Skrull War. It will see if we can get the rights to the scrolls yeah. because they haven't used them because those are also tied up with the Fantastic Four. But I think that the thing that will set up Thanos and the Infinity Gems and the and the Infinity Gauntlet will be the Kree Scroll War. There'll be some intergalactic fight that brings them all there. And wow. so instead of like part one, that'll probably be the big war. And then the second part will be Thanos. If they can make a deal with Fox like they did with Sony to get Fantastic Four back, because clearly Fox ain't going to use it just based on the movie. Oh, good. Have you and by the it? way, Fantastic, the Fantastic Four just showing up for like a scene to give crazy, you know, teleportation devices and like super science stuff, and that's it would be that's all you that's all you need no explanation necessary just the fucking thing walking around and mr <laughs> fantastic coming out of the negative zone being like oh here's a device i just built for you here you go like that's all you need it's uh, just having them available yeah that's all you need but that could blow the whole thing open because now you've oh, got yeah. galactus and yeah you've got the scrolls to do the kree scroll war and it could i i don't think they'd blow up their plan but man they might shift stuff around because they've they've shown they're willing to do it by Back well, if you're, if you're Fox and you're holding these rights and you can't make money with these things and Marvel just turns shit into gold, I mean, again, they have a fucking talking tree and a talking raccoon that they the <laughs> franchise built around. There's nothing, you know, if you're Fox, you'd be like, look, just timeshare the fucking characters. We don't, we don't care what you do. You know, <laughs> we don't care what shitty reboot movie you make. Let, let us just guide these characters. You it's- know, just, just let us put our hands on it. Uh, they they may wait to see how the Spider-Man movie goes because all right they've seen how the deal with Sony worked to get him into Civil War and yeah if that leads to a Spider-Man that doubles or triples the money that Amazing Spider-Man two made yeah oh it totally will but well, no one also, wanted to see, no say, one wanted to see Homecoming after Amazing Spider-Man two now you want to see it after Civil War so right it's yeah. interesting though that they're actually Ross go ahead. No, 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 go, man. No, I was just thinking it's it's funny that they're calling it Spider-Man Homecoming. Homecoming was one of the trigger words for Bucky. <laughs> That's uh-huh. right. You brought that up. <laughs> oh. oh, no. Oh, please so- don't have Bucky kill Uncle Ben. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that will fuck everything up. <laughs> uh, but the thing I was going to do before, yeah, they, they, they clearly aren't going to get Namor anytime soon. But, you know, in an attempt to get uh, Captain America and everybody maybe 
Tony Stark leads something into Wakanda, and now Black Panther has to work with Tony Stark, and maybe that leads to... Well, that's one way if you want to get Robert Downey Jr. out of his contract. Like I said, that was a weird, long theory I had, but, uh, you know, I'm a fucking comic book geek. I see these things yeah. and try to figure out, ooh, what's next? I think Namor, uh, not Namor, I think uh, Nomad's a slam dunk. But after after what we just saw, though, it's like all this cosmic stuff you're talking about, and I, who knows? Maybe maybe Doctor Strange will be um, as amazing as Guardians of the Galaxy and make me change my mind and be like, no, I want to see this stuff now. You know, right. this larger universe. But it was like this was this was so small yeah. in it, not in scope, but in you know in, in terms of like you're talking about cosmic wars, you're talking about other dimensions, and like no, this was just like a few guys that that got pissed at each other because they had to work together for too long and and you know it's like i almost don't want to see them try to blow it up and 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 make things uh you know go for go for the the kind of crazy kirby stuff because they're doing so well with the with the whatever terrestrial whatever you want to call it but but i will say this had such an international scope one thing that bugged me a little bit uh that was kind of funny was like every other scene was like in another country yeah yeah it was like no explanation. No explanation needed how they got there. But the fact that they got everywhere so fucking fast. Like, this took place over the course of, like, three days. And they're like, I'm in Budapest. Now I'm in Germany. Now I'm in Russia. Now I'm in the UN in New York. Now I'm, you know, it's like. And they okay, had those big like, now I'm in Siberia. Yeah, now I'm in Siberia. It's like, all right, we get it. We get it. Marketing. That was driving Becky crazy. Yeah, it's like, all right, you're, you're, you're yeah, in London. Yeah, it's like we we know you want the international markets to like fucking go see this movie too. We get it, but the fact that they were able to basically make a global type movie at the core, it was still a human movie. It was a movie about mm-hmm. people. Yeah, and it was a very, you know, I think you can do those big intergalactic things as long as you remember that it's about people at its heart, and, and it's about the emotional choices these people make. It's not just about saving the world. Sometimes it's about saving your friend, or sometimes it's about saving a loved one or yourself. And I think that that's they, they they unlock the key with this particular movie. They they found the new secret formula that will probably sustain them for the next three or four movies till we get sick of it, and then they'll find a new thing. Yeah. But <laughs> man, this this movie just did its job. This movie did its job. Did anybody else see anybody else? Budapest across the screen and go? Now we're gonna find out what happened with Clinton and Natasha. Like there was. A- <laughs> <laughs> and we didn't. No. We still don't know. The one other thing I'll extrapolate, and I kind of hope this because I think in certain ways it could solve Marvel's movie villain problem, is Spider-Man could be the absolute gimme key to start introducing the Netflix characters mm. into mm-hmm. the Marvel wow. film universe. Because the the Netflix villains have been miles ahead of almost all of the, the movie oh, villains. I, I'd love to see Kingpin just... I mean, would you... Uh, I would just love to see... Tony Stark, I have heard so much about you. Let the offer to the finally scenery. make your acquaintance. I really look forward to seeing what you bring in the future. Also, have you met Vanessa? <laughs> <laughs> I just but want to see but then I had like a Hulk punch followed by that. <laughs> I want to see Spider Man in a room with Luke Cage. Just. Because you know how that will go. Okay, enough about your slash fic. Okay, <laughs> like I don't... let me have my slash fic. <laughs> Please get, try to convince her. It's driving me crazy. <laughs> uh, all right. So I guess the other big elephant in the room is 
Uh, How do you feel this compared to Batman versus Superman? <laughs> Dawn of Justice. Okay. So, <laughs> let me just let me just start here. Uh, the one time I was taken out of this movie was when uh, they had Bucky in the garage and he wakes up and he comes out of his mind control and he's like, who am I talking to? Do you know who I am? And Bucky says, your mother's name was Sarah. And I was like, fucking Zack Snyder. If I have to hear one more of a fucking mother's name and that's the thing that makes everyone be like, oh, we're friends now because you know my fucking mother's name. Go fuck yourself, Zack Snyder, for making that a thing and for making this stop for even a second in this movie, which is near perfect. And then the fact that I even had to think about Batman vs. Superman for even an iota during this movie. Fuck you, Zack Snyder. You've now ruined it for any time anyone says their fucking mother's name. Happy Mother's Day. Okay. You gotta go talk on Mother's well, Day. Happy Mother's against... Day to all the mothers out yeah. there. Yeah. You gotta talk about Mother's Names on Mother's Day. At least. But yeah, that took me as soon as he said, like, oh, your mother's name was Sarah. I'm like, not this shit again. Got <laughs> At least when Bucky killed Maria, we didn't see slow-mo pearls falling to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem. It's They came so close to each other. It's it, Yeah, the specter of Batman versus Superman was not all over it, but all around it. And I, yeah, I just kept, I would keep flashing back to, it's like, there were parts of Batman versus Superman that were okay, but how could they get so nice. much wrong? When this is just working and working and working. Well, you also see how, like, this movie set up a whole bunch of characters you never heard of, right? Like, I mean, as a comic book geek, I to I knew all the characters. But, like, Black Panther shows up, and then you got, like, fucking Giant Man, Ant-Man, and you got, you know, Vision and Scarlet Witch. Meanwhile, they have, they have Aquaman and The Flash and... I guess cyborg or whatever, fucking, yeah. whatever, uh, fucking Green Sir, Lantern. Sir so Gordon whatever. They, in an email, they said the only way he could, Zack Snyder could think to set up those fucking iconic characters is like, oh, I'm gonna send an email between. Ba I'm gonna fucking have Batman and Wonder Woman G chat while she's on <laughs> Turkish Airlines. That's the best way to fucking figure out how to do this exposition. No, you're a fucking moron. Like you <laughs> unencrypted over airport Wi-Fi. I, I, I got Cyborg in an email, and I found Vibe on J-Date. I, <laughs> I found Vibe on J-Date. <laughs> this movie made Batman versus Superman worse just by being well, close to it. It was already that bad. It's, yeah. it, 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 this it, made you aware of how much worse it was. Well, it just I'm glad that this movie did so much right mm. because... If there was even, I mean, in in some ways, Batman and Superman made this movie have to be better, because if this movie had had stumbled at all in terms of its logic in the plot, or in terms of its reveals, or in terms of the character interactions and and the justifications for why this was happening, and that sense of inevitability, you know, it would have been like, well, Batman and Superman ruined it for everyone, and the fact that this movie pulled it off, it just showed you how how. If you do it the correct way, I'll go along with it. If, it's, if you tell a good story and you're true to the characters and you don't make them act out of character, you just give them good justifications for why they're doing what they're doing and you put them on a course that, you know, are, are going to be at odds with each other, I'm going to buy into it and I'm going to, and it's going to be a compelling movie because I don't, look, there was a moment when, you know, Tony Stark is facing off against with Steve Rogers and you're like, ah, shit, there's no way they can avoid this. They really can't. Like there's, this is inevitable. And this is 
that's awful. Like, I don't want this to happen, but I totally understand why this is happening. Yeah, you can't ask either of those people to stop. There's no logic, mm. logical right. reason to say that, that they shouldn't be doing what they're doing, as opposed to watching Batman for an hour ago, like, I'm going to beat him up because, you know, maybe he could be bad someday, perhaps. <laughs> and also, um, maybe I'm being manipulated by Lex Luthor, but it's very unclear. And also, why am I sending checks to this, like, one-legged dude? And also, why is, like, Superman not saving his mom, but instead is going to fight me, even though he could save her in, like, a heartbeat because he's got super speed and fucking x-ray vision and fucking destroys things at a whim anyway. We've already established he has no fucking problem punching fucking African dictators in the heart when Lois is... But, but he can't hear his fucking mom at Applebee's. What the fuck is wrong with Superman in that movie? What the fuck was wrong with Superman? Well, that's just it. The, the, this movie... Um... Civil War addresses actually almost point by point all of the criticisms of, of um, the various Snyderverse movies. Um, what are the consequences for large-scale destruction and loss of life when people use yeah. their powers? Um, mm -hmm. What happens when you cross international boundaries and act as a, an unsanctioned agent um, using your powers in a, in a way right. that could be perceived as questionable? These, <laughs> these are all things <laughs> that they took the moment to go, huh, this is alright. <laughs> well, and just from a filmmaking standpoint, it's, you know, you, you just brought up you know, oh, they're they're zapping around the world, and that didn't take me out of it at all. But just by you bringing that up, it's yeah, I took that for granted that that was fine. Whereas there was a twenty minute stretch in Batman versus Superman where I'm like, you know, Batman's just standing by that spotlight. He might have to pee. He's just standing over yeah. there. <laughs> they couldn't even keep that timing and make yeah. sense out of it. And yet, to me, it was seamless in Civil War. Yeah, they're all. He's over got there. it. It was built into the suit like astronauts. Yeah. yeah. Also, great fucking plan, Batman. Just stand by your giant light. Nothing else is happening in your city. Hope no one is getting mugged. Hope some kid's mom is getting murdered in Crime Alley while you're sitting there staring at the sky waiting for Superman to show up with your giant fucking bat flashlight. Piece of shit movie. There's nothing else you could be doing right now. Good job. Fucking awful movie. Uh, yeah, and the reconciliation. Yeah, the oh, really? Yeah, the mother's names versus you know a heartfelt letter and a burner phone. Yeah, you know, just to, to yeah. at least begin bridging delivered the gap. By, delivered by Mr. Stan Lee himself, by Stan, <laughs> Stan Lee himself. Is there a Mr. Stank? Is Mr. Stank available? Oh, there is. <laughs> but even that was, like, awesome because the Don Cheadle getting that last little bit of, absolutely you know, like, oh, you're not going to live that down. I'm like, okay. Like, even that made me kind of feel better about the consequences were real, but I'm not leaving with this, like, you know, it's this heavy sense that I that I had while sitting all through Batman and 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 uh, and and I don't like Superman. Like it was, <laughs> they, you know, it, it was like they could. There was fun. There was lightheartedness. Like it was, yeah. it, it was. There was just this moment of like real terrible gravity of like yeah. watching, you know, watching Stark just kind of like go down to like the 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 furthest depths that he's ever been at. Yep. And, and, you know, and almost kill somebody. And, 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 you know, and after what we just saw, then they're just like, oh, hey, let's just make fun of uh, Tony's name. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, but I, but I also love too that that, that relationship maintains that they don't lose their humor, that that's their right. humanity right there is that we're, like life is going to go on and that they're going to be okay in the long run, but he's still going to be dealing with this. And, you know, Tony Stark has become this really great meditation on, post-traumatic stress um i think yeah I, I think that he's he's really become this great sort of stand-in for the different ways in which people who go through these traumatic incidents whether it's war 
or whether it's just some, you know something truly horrific in, in in life, try and deal with it, and they still move forward. But their decisions going forward are always shaped by what has come before. And I think this is a really interesting evolution of that character as well. Yeah, with the PTS, I still maintain uh, Iron Man 3, if, if you could find draft 1, it was going to be Demon in a Bottle. And the decision mm. was made, we can't make him an yeah. alcoholic. Yeah. So fine, all Problem. right, we'll, we'll do it with PTSD instead. With that said, they certainly didn't just take it as, oh, fine, we'll just call it this other thing. They certainly feel like they've treated that seriously from Iron Man 3 all the way through this. Sure. They did everything. And the fact that both those characters, though, had, I think, very strong points of view, and both both were, in my opinion, were completely justified in their actions, and that everything that happened, again, like I said, when they walk into that thing and, and all the super soldiers have been murdered and Zemo's standing there and the laptop is open and you're about to see what you're about, you know, he's just showing him, you know, Bucky murdering the Starks. You're like, oh, this is not going to end well. Like, you just know. You know that there's no way that they're going to be able to calm him down. There's no way that Cap's going to be able to let Bucky go without having to fight Iron Man. There's no way Iron Man's going to let him get out without trying something. And at that point, it's just, you're like, oh, I, I see both points of view, and I don't want this to happen, but this has got to happen. Sorry, it's got to happen. Yeah, and, versus Batman you know, versus Superman, yeah. where it was, okay, this is halfway through Act 3, and this is just sort of the, uh, this is the fun punch-up before. Yeah, I, Batman Superman battle. was, I don't see either point of view, and I don't know why this is happening, and and does this have to happen to me? <laughs> why is this Mostly happening I just to me? thought, why is this happening? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, and to just go lighter, I, this is not my observation, I forget where I saw it, but man, Don Cheadle's starting to look old, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> do, do you think they paralyzed him because he actually needs to be in a wheelchair for the next movie? <laughs> yeah. That's not mine. I forget where I got it from, and I feel bad for bringing it up. Yeah. Well, someone someone has already also made the um, the uh, the pun of uh, I hope Don Cheadle's in the next uh, Black Panther movie, so they can call it Hotel Wakanda. Oh. Oh God. Oh, oh. my. Oh. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> and scene. <laughs> Is there anything we haven't covered? I feel like there's so much more. I'm trying to think of like what what oh. else to cover. It was just a great. It, it was such a. It was just such an enjoyable. Superman I, movie. Something that was so that that was so in terms of scope, mm-hmm. and in terms of uh, the content that was so heavy. It's amazing how fun it was. I, I we haven't really covered Black Widow's uh, double cross too much, if you can call it that. Well, oh, I mean, sure. I think that was perfect characterization because if anybody was going to play both ends against the middle, it's going to be the yep. super spy. Yeah. So it was absolutely believable yeah. to me. But why did she? Because, well, I think that's what I'm. Uh, so I think she definitely understands why Steve is doing what he's doing. And I think that especially with the characterization of their relationship in Winter Soldier, she sort of trusts his ability. She she trusts his judgment, I think. Okay. And so I think that there was that moment of, if you're doing this, you have a damn good reason to do it. So I'm going to let you see it through. But if you're wrong, we're going to bring you to justice. Okay. I'm going to ex- I'm going to extrapolate based on Amanda's theory about her role with Banner in Age of Ultron, mm-hmm. and I'm going to extrapolate the unseen hand of Nick Fury and yeah. Widow, whether directly instructed or understanding, based on her particular set of skills, that maybe she sees her role as I need to try to preserve the Avengers in whatever way possible. Which means I right. need to try to not play both ends against the middle, but 
play both ends and try to create some kind of situation where this can work out. Hmm. And she was close to it. If the plan was, in fact, to reactivate the Winter Soldiers, then Iron Man and Captain America would have teamed up and fought against it and reunited, and it would have worked. Right. It was just, no, it turns out there was a completely different plan, so I'm kind of extrapolating either she was ordered to or she decided this is what I... But see, I think she decided because I think that her decision to sign the papers went with her survivor instinct. Yeah. Like her, her... her survivalist instinct says, this is the best play right now to stay alive and fight again later. And when she was face-to-face with, with Steve Rogers in the hangar, and she sees what he's going through to, to accomplish his goal, she went through it in The Winter Soldier with him. She went through it when, when S.H.I.E.L.D. was against them and when they were public enemy number one. So, I, I, again, I, I think that based on her experience and, you know, she's making a judgment call and she's like, you know what? I have to trust Cap on this one, that if this is what he thinks is the way, I'm going to let him get to his end goal. And if he's wrong, we're going to bring him in. But I'm going to let him get there to see if he's right. Fair enough. Yeah. And I think that, that, and I think that's consistent with her because she's someone who, you know, again, st- Tony was pissed at the end. He's pissed at her. That, that was not a smart move on her part. Yeah. He was, uh, he, you know, and I don't, he was pissed, but he still respected her. He, it was more begrudging, I thought, because when Tony gets pissed, he, he takes people down. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Now, and also, wasn't it at the end of Winter Soldier, she basically blew up her entire existence? She's like, I'll, I'll sign whatever you put in front of me. It doesn't matter. I'm going to do what I think is right anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, sure. I'll sign it. Whatever. And But I will continue to find a way through this situation. So that makes sense. Yeah. The, the only other thing I can think of that we missed is, uh, all right, where do you rank it? Oh man, it, it it's tough because I think that superhero battle is the greatest battle I've ever seen on on film. Mm. So I, I think for me, for different reason, I still think Winter Soldier. Just because I've, I've sat with it longer, I still put Winter Soldier damn near the top. Um, but man, Civil War it had so much going for it that long term, I, I I have a I'm gonna have a hard time not ranking Civil War way way the fuck up there. Yeah. I, the, I to me it's like the first Avengers is just the purest. This is how you do a fucking superhero movie. Mm-hmm. Sure, uh, and yeah. it, it's kind of hard for me to ever not to so far have anything knock it out of number one just because of that. Because because it was like it was soup to nuts, like you know everything you wanted to see, and so much you hadn't seen before that they did right. right. Yeah. yeah, right. So I mean, I don't even know it's it's the one I want to if I'm going to sit down and watch any movie now. I don't know if I'd say it, say it's it, but it's almost like I got to kind of keep it number one just because it's first best that kind of thing but um i i definitely i i this is this is two or three to me um you know this winter soldier guardians mm. uh yeah, it's, Iron it's Man up One. There. Um, yeah it's definitely up there amanda what do you think yeah oh I, superman I, 2 sorry <laughs> <laughs> ross and i Would have been having an email the Marvel movies? Uh, general zod get her step outside <laughs> Ross and I have been having a fight over what the end of Superman 2 means over email all week long. But that's a whole different story. Uh, wait, wait, how, wait how, how can you have an argument over what it means? It's very clear. <laughs> I'm sorry I let you down. This... It will never happen again. Here's the American and then flag. never let anyone down again. This is not the show, goddammit. 
if, if we regroup for Suicide Squad. All the Superman movies ended at the end of Superman <laughs> when he never let anyone down again. <laughs> and Superman has never appeared on screen anymore. <laughs> if we do Suicide Squad, that's a good reason to get back into Superman. Maybe this is not the show for that. But no, oh no, I, I'm right. sorry. To Amanda, uh, what, uh, how would you rank them? It's it's up there. I I feel like. Right now, my my number one is probably Winter Soldier, followed by Guardians, and then yeah, this it's hard. Avengers is solid. I don't know if this is number three or number four. It, it kind of you'd have to catch me on a particular day. Okay, see for me it's tough because I agree with Ross. My gut is Avengers is still number one, but I'm also the kind of guy who for years and years and years said. No, the first Star Wars is better than Empire because for right. probably the same reason. <laughs> I never, I was never seen anything like it. Empire was more of the same, and that's great, but nothing's like your first one. It took a long time for my opinion to change on that, and that might be the case with this. But yeah, Avengers was yeah the first time I saw anything like that, and I think it was done nearly flawlessly. After that, I put Winter Soldier. Uh, yeah, this one I'd put it three, but it 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 might. Given another couple viewings on like good Blu-ray or in the theater, it, it might move up. And, and, and I'll tell you, this one actually knocked this one knocked Age of Ultron way down for me too, because and I enjoyed Age, Age of Ultron, but this one showed me how creaky those creaky moments of Age of Ultron really were. Mm. When I saw, you know, and and I think that again, I love, I still love the Iron Man Hulk fight in that, and I love moments of that, but overall. It was kind of like, okay, but it was still, I, I didn't feel like it was as satisfying as this movie was just such a satisfying, complete movie. And well, so. Part of, and, and part of it too was like with Ultron, um, it, it was Ultron himself. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I realized that he, he just, everything with him happened very fast. And I thought James Spader was a lot of fun. And right. there were a lot of positive things I can say about that character. But it's almost like, you know, one other thing we didn't talk about is Zemo. And I don't think we have to. No. Like, he, 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 but again, I think that that was on purpose. I think that that was them yeah. using their weakness as a strength and being like, you know what? We haven't done these very well. Let's make it just the character that sets it into motion. But the, the villain itself is the misdirect. He's not a big, scary world-shaking villain he's this very it's got a very small role to play which is basically just to knock the dominoes over yeah Amanda, and, right amanda and i talked about it and said he's not a villain he's a catalyst he puts things yeah. in motion hmm. but that's really his his job is to put it in motion he's not really the bad guy yeah yeah and i mean there's, there's a little you can nitpick with it because what i, I was even talking to becky before and you know we were saying that how would he have known uh ahead of time that yeah, you know, I, I, he he didn't start off knowing about all the Winter Soldiers and everything. He obviously it showed that he was finding old Hydra agents and just trying right. to find a way in to, to to get it. But it was the timing of the Sokovia Accords was the only thing that made it all possible. And sure, I could just say he's capitalizing on whatever he, he found, but it, it almost just fit together too neatly in a way for it for it to kind of be like there's no way he could have had the foreknowledge of you know to have that plan really work. But again, I don't. So what? <laughs> <laughs> But it made emotional – again, there was an emotional logic to it that mm -hmm. I bought. And so in terms of that, you know, there's, the there's voice a lot mail, of stuff. You know. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff you forgive because it worked. And so when it works, 
you're like, you know what? I buy it. I'm, I'm going to yeah. go along with it because this is the world that these characters inhabit. This is the, this is the Marvel universe. And so in the Marvel universe, you're, uh, you know, a fucking peasant from Sokovia. Yeah, sure. Great. You can, yeah. <laughs> you can, <laughs> you can then, uh, do some, uh, digging around on the internet and find out, uh, where Hydra agents live and torture them. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's also a testament to the Russo brothers. Cause if you, if you look back on Age of Ultron and interviews that Joss Whedon did at the end of it, he just, there were clearly areas where Whedon just threw up his hands and said, fine. You know, the, the Thor in the pool sequence, yep. um, where he just said, all right, fine. I don't have any more energy to do this. Uh, fine. I will accede to these things, which make it a weaker movie in order to kick the pig out the door so I can move on with my life. I can't do right. anymore. Whereas the Russo brothers delivered a movie that had all of those functions of future building that were almost transparent. And they're like, yeah, man, bring it on. We'll do two more Avengers yeah. movies with you. Clearly, they have found the sweet spot where... A well-oiled machine. This this mm-hmm. movie ran like a well-oiled machine. Yep, absolutely. I think right. that this movie is the franchise's Empire Strikes Back. Okay. I I think... I mean, we'll have to see in the larger scheme of things how that plays out. But um, I think that that's a pretty good analogy because it is. I think it's, interestingly enough, the darkest one of them. Mm. And I think it's also the thing that sort of shifts the perception of every character. It changes the relationships with everyone. It changes the relationships. The Avengers are on their heels. They're split up into two different places. Uh, One of them is incapacitated. That's not a bad analogy. Yeah. And Bucky lost his hand. Bucky's, yeah. <laughs> Bucky's fucking frozen at the end. That's true. He yeah. frozen. <laughs> he loses his arm and he's frozen in carbon. Holy shit, Amanda. <laughs> Bucky is Han Solo and Luke Skywalker. They, oh, they brought down an Adat? Oh my god, I think you're right. Yeah, I think there's a... There's and a... he also says, I'm going to bring down the Empire. From yeah. the, like, yeah. It's constant references to Empire Strikes Back. Including the overt reference to Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> I feel dumber for not having seen that. That's dead on now that you bring it up. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. They mention Empire at least 20 times in this movie. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Oh. All right, this is our last episode because clearly I'm no fucking good at this. But, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's the the darkest point. And... Oh, dude, and the guy's upside down in the beginning. Oh, yeah, yeah. shit. Oh, by his feet. <laughs> yep. No, he totally is. When he's torturing the when he's torturing the Hydra agent and yep. he drowns him. <laughs> what an enjoyable movie! My God. <laughs> this may have punted Winter Soldier down a notch. We're going to the theater this week. <laughs> Jesus Christ! All right, is there anything we didn't cover now that? Yeah, all right. I think we've established this is the Empire. It was the... nice to see Jim Rash uh, as a dean again. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Well, hey, they got to remember their roots as directors of community. Yes. <laughs> Indeed. I mean, the fact that the the fact that like guys who directed Arrested Development and Community <laughs> could put this together is like there's hope for all of us. <laughs> Marvel's always had an eye for talent, the left of center choices from John Favreau, really the guy who did Swingers. All right, we'll let him do Iron Man. No. I mean, my takeaway is, oh, yes, you should go for people who do comedy. <clears throat> Marvel, I will direct anything you want. <laughs> anything. I don't care. Give me fucking brother voodoo. I'm, I'm on it. 
Jesus Christ. I give it two weeks until I hear, oh, yes, a new director's been attached to Squirrel Girl. (laughs) (laughs) That movie will kick ass. I promise you that, my friend. (laughs) You didn't realize you wanted to see Speedball in a movie, but you will believe. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. Any last comments before we wrap it up? Oh, Crossbones. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he did. No, I... They, no, they've done a really good job, both in Winter Soldier and in this movie, of using like sort of a mid-tier C-level, C-list uh, Captain America villain as like a jumping-off point, like throwing people a bone, I guess, but whatever. But just being like, oh yeah, he's gonna be Batrock. Okay, you're gonna get crossbones. These characters were never that good. They're just all they're good for is the first fight in a movie, and then they die. When do we get Taskmaster? <laughs> oh, oh, I would like to see that actually. <laughs> Maybe in a better costume, but <laughs> yeah, it's uh, look, I, I should have known to always have faith in the Russo brothers. Uh, yeah. The minute Batrock was in winter soldier and it still wound up being just about the best Marvel movie. Yeah. But I mean, you gotta, you gotta give them credit for just knowing how to do an opening sequence and just, you know, being like, well, it could be a rando or it could be like this, like lame sort of comic book villain that geeks will, you know, geek out over. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So, What's the next movie we want to get together on? Do we do we want to wait for uh, Suicide Squad or? Uh, I guess I'm down for Suicide Squad. I don't know. <laughs> I really don't want to see anything more in that universe. And that's, I think, <laughs> why we should do it on Suicide Squad. <laughs> <laughs> and by Suicide Squad, we mean Ross's <laughs> suicide. After he fucking just forces it through another. Look at it this. <laughs> look at it this way, Ross. If we do Suicide Squad and it follows the normal pattern, since you've been a guest of. Every other movie we see. The movie after that will be fucking awesome. The movie after that will be Doctor Strange, and it'll keep the streak going for Marvel. Okay. And then we have to say no. And then we have to do something else before Rogue Squadron. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll find something. Uh, I don't know what. (laughs) We'll do the. I love. By the way, Ross silently is saying, "Can I just watch good movies?" You can, can on your own time. Good one good one. I'm actually trying to say it out loud, but you guys aren't letting me. Good movie. If only Ross could speak. I believe that Ross would say something along the lines of... Good movies don't always lead to good radio, Ross. Sometimes you got to take one for the team. <laughs> All right, so why don't we uh, wrap this up? Uh, yes, uh, don't know where you, gentle listener... <laughs> gentle. If you listen to this show, you're not gentle. You're probably beating your mom. Happy Mother's Day. Anyway, <laughs> don't know where you found this, but you can always find us at our home website, crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. Uh, we are on Facebook, uh, crisis, uh, ugh, God, I'm fried. Uh, Facebook.com slash crisisoninfinitemidlives. We are on Twitter. Twitter handle is at infinitemidlife. Did I get that right? Yes. Okay. Every once in a while, I got to make sure I'm doing it right. Get it right. Forget that one. Uh, we're on Tumblr, crisisoninfinitemidlives.tumblr.com. You can find us on iTunes. And if that uh, that is your way of uh, consuming podcast media, do us a favor and shoot us a rating. Give us a review. It helps new people find the show. Please, we're so lonely. Yes, we're very lonely. Uh, Amanda has nothing to I do just, but write fucking slides. I did interrupt and say, every time you, you say that you're in Tumblr in this outro, I confuse Tumblr and Tinder, and then I confuse Tinder and Grindr. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll so we can left. find Ross on Grindr. <laughs> we'll, we'll have a Grindr account for next time, Ross. I'll throw that one out there. At Ross Bear Daddy. (laughs) (laughs) Ross Ewok Daddy. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Ross Ewok Daddy. Jesus Christ. They call him him the Ewok Jew. Oh. (laughs) 
Uh, this podcast will soon be found in court. <laughs> uh, well, what else are we on? We're on Google Play. Uh, we are. Uh, Jesus, I forget all Stitcher. of them. Uh, Stitcher. Uh, we are proud members of the Comics Podcast Network. And uh, you can always find us. Uh, you can shoot us an email at crisisoninfinitemidlives at gmail.com. And uh, that is it. This has been episode 112 of the Crisis on Infinite Midlife show. Thanks, Ross and Minari, once again. for This time we got you a good movie. We'll see how it goes for the next one. Thank you. But thanks for being with us. And I guess that is it. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. Thanks for listening. Derp. Swipe left. <laughs> don't, don't, yeah, swipe. Which, which one means don't, don't come near me? <laughs> swipe left. Swipe left. <laughs> <laughs>